Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for giving us Jesus. And thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here to help us and to anoint your word so that it's quick and powerful. Thank you, Lord. It says in 1 Peter 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. And if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disindeed, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. So you are lively stones that are built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And so it's very important that when we come to God's house, to we come to bring an acceptable sacrifice. And this is really something that Henry used to say, it's a heart job. You have to keep your heart right, so that when you come into God's presence, you come with the right attitude, you come prepared, you come with your offering, and you come with your gift, and you come with your thanksgiving, and you come with your praise. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore, but you will never enjoy them if you come unprepared. Or you come with an unacceptable offering. You know, there are two people at the beginning in Genesis after Adam fell. And God covered Adam, his nakedness. When he lost the glory, he covered him with skins and shed blood. And he had two sons, Cain and Abel. And one brought an acceptable sacrifice, but one brought an unacceptable sacrifice. You have to be careful when you come into the presence of God that you come with an acceptable sacrifice. You know, when we talk about the woman at the well, the woman of Samaria, Jesus revealed to her that you must worship God in spirit and in truth. You've got to have a true heart. What was wrong with Cain? He did bring the first fruit And he didn't bring, and Abel brought the firstborn. God must be first. He must be first. God gave his firstborn, Jesus. He gave everything for you. So when you come to the house of God, you better make sure you come with the right attitude and with the first fruits of everything you got, and a gift. There's no such thing as worship without an offering. God will not be tipped with your sixpence. That's unacceptable. 
God doesn't take collections. He takes offerings from a true heart. You know, the problem is, you know, for years I didn't get it. <laughs> I was, it, I, it was all about me, myself, and I. Not about Father God, His Son, and the Holy Ghost. I thought I'd give to God what I want. It's not acceptable. That's what Cain did. What did God say to Cain? If you do well and bring an accepted offering, you will be accepted. God gave him a chance. God never throws somebody out with giving him a chance. And you know, I'm coming to see a lot of people think that they can just give to God what they want to give. No, you've got to give your first fruits. It's got to be the first fruits. Otherwise, you will never have what I call an open heaven. What you need over your life is an open heaven. Because if you've got an open heaven, you can hear God. But if you've got a closed heaven, you don't hear God. Why do people go out of the presence of God? Because they're like Cain. They can't bring the first fruit. I've heard people in the glory way say, we don't believe in first fruits and tithes because it's in the old covenant. There's no such thing because Jesus fulfilled the old covenant. <laughs> he was the first fruits. What is Pentecost all about? First fruits. First fruits. You want the Holy Spirit on your life? You better give your first fruit. You better give your offerings. Whatever you have belongs to God. Whatever I have all belongs to God. And all I got to give is my first fruit. Is that too much to ask? But some people say, I can't afford it. You can't afford not to do it. You'll have a closed heaven. And it's not very nice. I've been under a closed heaven. I know what it's like. <laughs> I, I think I've been like Jonah down the bottom of the sea in my past. <laughs> I've been like Job, you know, seemed to have lost everything. But you know, God is merciful. He's had mercy on me. And you know, I come in to see that when God called Abram, and he called him out of her, Abraham knew all about Noah. Abraham knew Shem. He knew all about the flood. And what did, Ab what did Noah do when he got out the ark? He, he made an offering of everything, a first fruit of everything. And what did, what did Abraham do? In the valley, remember that war that went on between four kings and five kings? And there's Abraham in the midst of this war. And his nephew Lot is taken captive by the enemy. And there's Abraham with 318 men. He goes 150 miles and he gets Lot back. And all the spoil, that is supernatural. <laughs> he brings it back. 
And when he brings it back, somebody appears on the scene. Do you know what his name was? Melchizedek. (laughs) Melchizedek. (laughs) Do you know, when you walk by faith, and you're serving God like Abraham, Jesus turns up. (laughs) He comes on the scene. And do you know, Abraham's faith... He saw down the centuries. What did Abraham believe for? A seed that would bless the whole earth. That's the gospel. Abraham believed the gospel. (laughs) He believed if he could have this seed, it would bless the whole earth. And he brings forth, Melchizedek brings forth bread and wine. And what does Abraham give to him? A tithe of all first fruit. And then what did God say to Abraham? I am your shield. And I'm your exceeding great reward. (laughs) There might be a war everywhere. But don't you worry, Abraham. You're you're covered. You're protected. He gave his first fruit. I know the argument is whether he gave the first fruit from the spoils he gained from the war or whether he gave it from his own household. I don't think it matters. I think it matters he gave the first fruit. Are you giving your first fruit? Or do you come to church and tip God? It doesn't work. Your heaven will be shut. You'll pray and nothing will happen. This is serious, mind. Do you know, I get worried when I think, have I given what I should have given this week or month or whatever it is? Have I given enough? And if I don't think I have, I go and get something else and put it in. (laughs) I want to make sure. Because God has given me eternal life. He's adopted me. He's chosen me. He's blessed me. He's got a, I've got, I'm going to a new creation. I'm part of a new heaven, a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And thank God, I don't, I don't think I've got that much longer here. I'm going to glory. Yes. Isn't it wonderful? Yes. I've got a bright future. Have you got a bright future? Yes. Don't you think you better invest in it? As I said to you once before, when you get to heaven, you might end up in a shed if you haven't. (laughs) With the gardening tools. No, maybe there isn't any gardening tools up there. (laughs) Oh, I tell you, this is so important. Look at Israel. If you want to know what happens to people who don't keep the feast of Passover, who don't keep the feast of first fruits, which is Pentecost, and they don't keep the feast of tabernacles, which is the glory of the ingathering. If you want the glory of the ingathering and the abundance of everything God's got, you're going to have to keep Passover. You remember the communion. What did, you, what did Melchizedek bring to Abraham? Bread and wine. As that brother said the other night, he does it every day. He's doing the right thing. That's what Wigglesworth did. The bread and the wine. 
That's reminding me it cost his body. It cost his blood. He was the first fruits. And why, if he's the first fruits, he rose as the first begotten from the dead. He is the first fruits of the new creation. Jesus. Isn't he? Jesus is. If you want to be part of the new creation, you better start investing in the new creation because you're going to go there one day and maybe when you get there, there won't be much there for you. Or maybe you'll be sitting in the kindergarten when you should be in the sixth form. Yeah, this is serious. I'm coming to see, in my life I've suffered when I didn't understand first fruits. You don't need to suffer, you need to get in the word of God and get hold of it and sow into the kingdom. Sow into the kingdom. Because this kingdom's never going to end. <laughs> it isn't. What did God say to Mary? Gabriel say to Mary, of this kingdom... It will never end. It's eternal. Yeah. You're in something big. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. It's tremendous. <laughs> it's glorious. Yes, you're part. But you've got to start to function. You've got to take the bread. And you've got to take the wine. And you've got to sow into the kingdom. And, yet, and the first fruit's the minimum. You should be giving offerings as well. Why? Because God can bless it. Why was Abraham so rich? Because he was blessed. Because he gave his first fruits. He gave his tithe. What did, what did Jacob do when he was on the run from his brother Esau? And he gets to Bethel. He says to God, when I get something because he got nothing now. He'd run with nothing. No dowry to get a wife. Nothing. Nothing like his father Isaac. But he had nothing. But he said, when I get something, I'm going to give you a tithe, a first fruits of all I get. And he kept his promise. And look how God delivered Jacob. God changed him from Jacob to Israel. God wants to change you from being just you into Israel. He wants you to be one of his sons and daughters so that you're blessed and you're going in and blessed and you're coming out. Do you know, the book of Ezekiel is a big book, isn't it? It's got 48 chapters in it. It's quite a puzzling book in some parts. This bloke lying on his side for don't know how many days and then on this side and then and all this business, but what is it all about? Well, it's all about what happens when God's people don't keep the feasts, and they don't tithe, and they don't give offerings. They end up in captivity. And here's Ezekiel, five or six years into captivity in Babylon, by the river Cheba, and then suddenly the heavens open. And he's taken up into heaven. And he's taken in the air all the way back to Jerusalem. And he's sitting in the air in this vision over the temple. The temple of Solomon. And the Lord says to him, see what's going on in this temple? Can you see the idolatry in this temple? 
Can you see what's gone wrong with my people, my church? And he has a vision. The glory of God departing from behind the altar, the holiest, into the holy place, out into the outer court, and is going out of the door. Ichabod. When God's people don't honor God, what you've got is Ichabod. There's no glory. There's no presence. There's no power. And you know, I believe the Lord wants to return the glory to the house of God. He wants you and me to become lively stones built up a spiritual house so that we all function. So when we come together, we get a little bit of what we had last night, but there's more. There's a lot more. We haven't started yet. If he can get you functioning as a tabernacle, that Christ lives in you, the Holy Ghost is in you, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, the fire's in you. And you start to worship. Something happens. The heavens open and the glory comes down. And that's what God wants to do. And where the glory is, you'll be fixed good and proper. You'll be made whole. You won't limp anymore. <laughs> you won't have problems anymore because you're honoring God. You're worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You know, God chose Mary Magdalene to be the first evangelist to tell the church that Jesus was alive. <laughs> he chose a woman of Samaria to go and evangelize a whole village. <laughs> Didn't he? He chose Rahab the harlot to open up Jericho. God's got a ways of chosen the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. <laughs> Because they honor God. <laughs> they honor God, don't they? <laughs> These women have got a special place in the church. <laughs> I love Mary Magdalene. <laughs> she was standing there. She didn't know what was happening, did she? But suddenly, one word, Mary. Amen. Whoa, the penny dropped. <laughs> wow, what a revelation. <laughs> what a difference in that woman. She loved Jesus. But she didn't really know Jesus, did she? And some of us love Jesus, but we don't really know what he's really like. But you're going to get a revelation about who Jesus really is. Oh, yeah. You're going to get a revelation to understand that he's so powerful. There's nothing too hard for God if you can just believe. Just believe it. Faith doesn't look for feelings. Doesn't look in the sense realm. Faith is a sixth sense that he gives to people. And it works by hearing God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so Ezekiel is prophesying to these people. And he sees what's happened to them. Until he gets to that terrible valley. The valley of dry bones. The whole body of the church is dismembered. Bone here, bone there. No flesh, no sinews, no life. And God says to Ezekiel, you prophesy to these bones. 
what is anointed preaching but prophesying the word of God and when you hear the word of God your bones can start coming together and some flesh can come on it and, some, and you get some life and you'll stand up on your feet and you'll start to praise God you'll have a bit of joy you start to dance you get rid of religion dry bone religion As Henry used to say, take the, uh, take the, the, the strappings off him and set him free. <laughs> you know, when Lazarus came forth. We've got to get free. And you know, he prophesied, but you know, a lot of people get bogged down in Ezekiel. Israel is Israel, you see. Is it? Israel's the church. We're the Israel of God. <laughs> We've been grafted in. And they think about this temple all going to be restored, you know, in Jerusalem and all these artifacts and all this nonsense. Nonsense. There's a new heaven coming. A new temple coming. It's coming. The city four square is coming down from heaven. And guess who's in it? You, if you're a child of God. You're one of them lively stones. (laughs) You're supposed to be there now. You're supposed to be worshipping there now. As we heard with Tom, that's like, we're supposed to be sitting up there with heavenly places, with Christ Jesus. We've been raised with Christ to sit up there with him and eat and drink at his table. Because when you eat and drink this food, it's supernatural food. You get revelation. Your eyes get opened. Your ears get unstopped. And you start to see and hear things you never heard before. And you think, this is wonderful. But you've got to get there. <laughs> you've got to dwell there. You've got to live there. And that is not as easy as it sounds. Because you can hear the word of God. But unfortunately, there's an enemy. He wants to come to steal that word out of your heart. So that it never takes root Because if it can take root and grow, it will bring forth fruit. And you can have fruit and you can have love and joy and peace and happiness in your life. You know, there's a bloke in America, he's got a ranch. He's called this place Mariah Ranch. And um, he says, I get people to this ranch to get the flap out of them the flap the fear the lust the anger and the pride (laughs) that's what you need to get out the fear the lust the anger and the pride because God has got a good way if you can get in under his teaching he will get he will get the, he'll deal with your fear and your lust and your anger and your pride and he'll get shot of it and give you love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, peace against which there is no law, is there? This is the problem and he's right. He says a lot of people come with a lot of fear and they go back changed. They come back with a lot of lust and they get changed. Some people are angry at their wives or their husbands or they got something in their, 
you know, that comes up every now and then and they bring this person out of the cupboard and give him a goopy tin and then they put him back in the cupboard that day and then they're right for another week and then if they think about him again, bring him out of the cupboard and give him a good beating and put him back in the cupboard. Though, you can't have anger like that. <laughs> You've got to get over it. <laughs> and pride. Oh, we've all got to deal with pride. Very subtle pride is. Very subtle. You can push him out the front door, pride, and you come in the back door before you know it. You've got to humble yourself. <laughs> you have to do it. I have to do it. Humble yourself. Somebody sent me four texts last week, and it got me really angry. And the Lord said to me, just pass it over to me and put it on the rubbish dump. And I said, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord for that. And on the rubbish dump it went. Never thought about it again. I took it, I took, I took it all off my phone. I, I cancelled a lot of my messages. I thought, I'm, I'm not reading that rubbish again. I cancelled it all and it's gone. You have to deal with it. Don't nurse it. Don't, 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 don't keep it to you because it's going to kill you. You have to keep your heart with all diligence to stop the enemy messing you up. He messed Cain up good, didn't he? Pride. Where did he get it from? Lucifer. Where do people get all these things from? Fear, lust, anger from the enemy. But Jesus gives us the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Isn't that right? He wants you to enjoy the blessings of God. He wants to enjoy his presence. And this is the important thing I'm coming to see. That every time a man or a woman can get to be a true worshipper, they're going to get an open heaven. That's what you need. You've got to have an open heaven. What happened to Jesus when he was baptized by John in Jordan? It says the heavens opened. And a voice came from heaven. It said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, is God well pleased with you? Is there something bothering you? Something was bothering me a few weeks ago. You've got to deal with it. You've got to keep your heart right. Oh yeah, he'll attack you with fear, with lust, with anger and pride. But you know God is a good disciplinarian. He can get his stick out and beat the stuff out of you until you no longer fear and you have lust and anger and pride. <laughs> come under, Jesus said, learn of me. We've got to come under the discipline and be a disciple of Christ. We've got to sit under his teaching. We've got to say, I'm going to learn from you, Lord. Because that's what the Holy Ghost is there to teach you what is in here. I can remember when I came back from Newark, I was a dead Pentecostal. Brought up in the OG, I was dead as that. And I was a very proud Pentecostal. I thought, if people weren't Pentecostal, they weren't right. 
I remember I was taught the piano by a Church of England man. Oh, I said, you need to get out of the Church of England. You need to come to the Pentecostals. I said in that, you know, I thought the Pentecostal up here. I got into a glory meeting and I thought, I've come home. Where have I been all this time? <laughs> and in the end, I began to hate the Pentecostals. <laughs> the Lord had to deliver me from a wrong attitude. <laughs> I used to call them Pesticostals. <laughs> and if you see them come in, the people that you were with, I brought the other side of the street. And if they said to me, where are you going now? I said, I go to the cathedral now. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lord said to me, that they're my people, I'll judge them, you leave them to me. I said, right. <laughs> Do you know religion will put a cloak over you? You can't see nothing. You can't. You can't see further than your nose. And you'll never grow in religion. You'll just be a little person all your life on the titty bottle. <laughs> Going to church with your Lego. Your spiritual Lego and, and all this. And if, and, and if somebody doesn't speak to you, never spoke to me. You know, and we're touchy and oh, and all this. And, oh. No, it's, it's good to be free, isn't it? Get out of religion. Why did, what did Jesus say? Beware of the leaven. Oh yeah, it's leaven. It's leaven. You get a little bit in you and it just... But it's wonderful. And I think, you know, when... And that is what Ezekiel saw. He saw that earthly temple finished... And he saw the heavenly temple come in. What does Hebrews 12 say? Maybe I've read this to you before. But this is one of my favorite scriptures. Hebrews 12. In 22. He says, but you are come unto what? Mount Zion. And unto the city of our living God. What did Abraham look for? A city whose builder and maker is God. Do you know what Jesus said about Abraham? He rejoiced to see my day he saw his faith could see down the ages when there was the poor man and the rich man where were they where was the poor man in Abraham's bosom yeah do you know some people's faith is taking them ahead of time people like Enoch Elijah yeah their faith is taking them ahead your faith, you've got to develop your faith. You've got to feed your faith with the word of God. You've got to read this word. Read it and ask the Holy Spirit to interpret it to you. And he will ask Jesus, your great high priest. And your great high priest will minister to you. Because you belong to this, this place. You belong to this 
living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's what Ezekiel saw. Oh no, you're not building all this nonsense down here. Jesus said, see this temple? It'll be destroyed in three days I'm going to rebuild it. This is what he's talking about, Jesus is talking about. We belong to a heavenly company. Do you want to sit with Christ in heavenly places? Or do you want to sit in religion? You've got a choice. But the first fruit is the key that unlocks the heavens, in my opinion. Think about it. You know, have you ever read Malachi 3? And have you read Malachi 3? Oh, but they say that's Old Covenant. Look here. There's no such thing. The Old Covenant is being fulfilled in the New. It's all fulfilled. Did you get it? It's fulfilled. It's not done away with. It's fulfilled in Christ. Do you know the problem with the grace messages today? They keep comparing the law with grace. You can't do that. Grace, the old preachers say, was set up on the throne in Genesis 3.15. I'm going to give you a seed that's going to crush the serpent's head. And that is grace. And that's what Abraham believed. That seed, that's what he believed. That's where his faith was, in that, that promise. He believed it. Twenty generations, God had waited for a man to believe the promise of God. Will you believe the promise of God? The promise of God is for the, his sons. And he believed it. And we're sons of Abraham now. Why? Because he believed, I can believe. Isn't it wonderful? And Abraham gave his first fruits. And God blessed him. In fact, the tithes he gave was prophetic of the tithes that would go to Levi. But we're under a better priesthood than Aaron. We're under Melchizedek. What does David say in Psalm 110? He says, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. How in the world could David know that? You tell me how David the psalmist knew that. Because he had faith in God. Faith brought revelation. And he could write that in the Psalms. Think about it. Do you know when you start having a heart like David, when David took all that spoil from all those enemies, he didn't spend it on himself. He spent it for God's house. He sowed the whole lot in the kingdom. He made mistakes. But he, he repented. And he was a man after God's own heart. So you keep your heart. I've got to keep my heart. You know, as uh, Peter said to me, we've got a problem sometimes with our flesh. Have you got a problem with your flesh sometimes? Yeah, I, I, I have been a bit of a problem. Irene can tell you that. My wife. <laughs> but you know, the good news is, and I keep saying it, and I say it again, Gordon Davis died on the cross when Jesus was crucified. And he died. Thank God the old stinker died. <laughs> and he got buried. What do you do with dead people? You bury them. 
You know, there's, I listened to this man in the prophetic movement on the channel the other day, and he said, well, you see, we're having to deal with this old man the, old, old, the whole time. I said, brother, you got it wrong. <laughs> he got crucified, he died it, and he's been buried. <laughs> and we've been raised new people. What does Romans 6 say? Reckon. Reckon yourself to be dead and to sin. This is what Abraham did. He reckoned. He knew he was dead. He reckoned it, but he reckoned that God was greater and could give him a resurrection. So his first fruits brought him a resurrection. Your first fruits will give you a resurrection. That where there's been death, there'll be life. Do you understand? Jesus is our first fruits. Fifty days after Passover came first fruits. That's a resurrection. And you know what happened? Jesus came back for 40 days, was in, he appeared to them. And Jesus stood there with them all. And he said, I'm going back to my father. What did he say to Mary? Don't touch me now. I'm going back to my father and your father. Do you know the ascension is a wonderful thing? And they saw Jesus go up. He went back to the... What he prayed at the Last Supper in John 17 came to pass. The glory I had with you, the Father, I give to you. And then going back to that glory... And Jesus went back to that glory. What does it mean? Jesus is enthroned. He reigns. He's enthroned. He reigns over all. Isn't it wise for you to come under his rulership? Isn't it wise for you to give your first fruits and your offerings and honor the person who's the greatest person in the universe? Isn't it wonderful? Do you know we serve a wonderful God? Jesus is wonderful. Do you know, I think he's been so patient with me. Oh, you don't know half. I won't tell you. (laughs) Yeah. But he can deliver you. He can set you free. You don't have to be like that all your life. You can, the chains, that, 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 the fear and the lust and the anger and the pride can be broken. You know, when Jesus, when, when Mary looked at Jesus, she was the first one to get the gospel out and this was the man that destroyed sin and death and hell. And she was looking at him and he was about to leave. And be enthroned. He sits there. Until all his enemies. Become his footstool. Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) Are you part of this heavenly company? (laughs) Are you a lively stone? (laughs) Or are you half awake? (laughs) We have to exercise ourselves in this. Don't we? We have to. 
do something about it. You know, um, people think that grace is just for them. You know, God's riches is Christ. But grace is much more than that. I remember a, a man years ago, he's gone to glory now, called Tommy Hicks. He had, he had a vision of the awakening of the church and Gulliver, like Gulliver with all these little people holding him down, you know. And when Gulliver eventually woke up, he took all his strands off and he stood up and, and he went and he said, Tommy Hicks said, grace is the power source of the kingdom of God. And it is. Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Look at the cross. Grace triumphed. You can understand why Mary thought, where is that mutilated body? With all those stripes, with that, all that blood, and all those pierce marks, and all that. But you know, it's a revelation we need of who Jesus is. You see, your circumstances can paint to you such a bad picture. So you have to take your eyes off your circumstances and look at Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He wants to develop you so you get stronger and stronger and stronger so that when something comes against you, you'll be strong. How could David face Goliath? He was anointed. He was anointed. He'd had the oil poured on him. (laughs) Oh yeah, he had the oil poured on him. (laughs) And all his dear seven brothers got very jealous. (laughs) And here this little boy... 17-year-old stands in front of this massive giant. But you see, the anointing (laughs) gives you eyesight. It anoints your eyes to see. It anoints your ears to hear what is not normal. (laughs) And most of the people said, he's too big to kill. And he said, he's too big to miss. It's a different concept, isn't it? It's a completely different concept. <laughs> so, you know, it still staggers me when Mary went to that tomb, she thought somebody had pinched the body and the whole of that embalmment was still in there. I would have thought, how in the world could they have taken the body without the embalmment? You know, but that's unbelief. That's when you're not hearing God. You look at things, but you're not looking at it. Isn't it? But what faith does, it gives you a sight to see what God says. So you better make sure you look after your faith. You know, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, isn't it? I count all these things. He said, what, what is these things? That I might win Christ. He says, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. Are you pressing or are you retreating? You've got to press. Oh yeah, you've got to be determined. It took courage to face Goliath. 
even with the anointing, it took courage for Mary to say, be it unto me according to my word. You study the background of Mary and to think that almighty God, Jehovah, that appeared amongst Sinai and fire, that delivered Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders and miracles, that the power of the Most High was going to overshadow her. That was courage. But you've got to have courage as well. Be strong. What did God say to Joshua? Meditate in my word day and night. You've got to do it. You're called to the service in God's house. You're a privileged person. You're a lively stone. Are you going to function or are you going to dysfunction? No, it's a challenge. We've got to take up the challenge. It takes courage. Especially when everybody's swimming this way and you're swimming that way. Isn't it? You're going to be misunderstood. Mary was greatly misunderstood. They didn't believe her, did they? They thought she'd done something before being married. No. She was stigmatized. But you know, it's better to have the anointing and go without the camp and bear Christ's reproach. It's better to have the anointing isn't there? There's a price to be paid. Will you pay it? You have to deny yourself. Isn't there? And this is the problem. Don't stand up for your rights because Jesus is standing up for you. He's justified you. He's given you his righteousness if you're a child of God. It's not your righteousness, it's his righteousness. And you can stand in God's house. Do you know what the best thing to do? Give the management of your life over to Jesus. Let him manage your life. Sit at his feet. Let the Holy Spirit lead Jesus to teach you his ways. And if you'll sit under the school of faith and learn of me, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, what have we got to be doing? As Paul said, we're supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's not going to happen overnight. That's a process. I'm a lot better than I was when I was young. They tell me what I was like when I was young. I I have improved somewhat, but I've got some way to go yet. I know me, me, myself, and I. (laughs) Me, myself, and I have got some improvement to do, but with his help, (laughs) I sometimes trip over these things, you know? And I land flat on my face, (laughs) and and the Lord says to me, get up. Get up! (laughs) What are you doing down there? (laughs) And that's what we've got to do, get up repent and say Lord (laughs) isn't it wonderful that you've got a mercy seat to go to in the new Jerusalem in Mount Zion there's a mercy seat (laughs) it's wonderful there's a mercy seat and you can go there to obtain mercy so that you obtain what? 
grace to help you in your time of need. What is grace? It's the empowerment of Christ in your life. He empowers you to be able to do these things. Do you know, I can't get over how much there is in this book. Do you know, if you come to Christ and let him teach you, he'll bring you to a vast ocean that you can't see. That it goes on like this, and you're just on the shore. And he's saying to you, there's so much more. There is so much more. You know, isn't it? There's so much more. You know, as Mrs. Kilpatrick says, we're not on a cruise ship. Some people think they're on a cruise ship going to heaven. No, you're not. You're on a battleship. <laughs> We've got to fight the good fight of faith. <laughs> yeah, we're in a fight. There's an enemy there. He wants to come and steal and kill and destroy you. He wants to take you out. But don't worry, Jesus says, fear not. I have overcome the enemy. <laughs> He's triumphed over the enemy. Look at Mary Magdalene. Seven devils cast out of her. She was a bit of a, a nutcase, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, wasn't she? She was a bit of a nutcase, you know. And she got so delivered and so wonderful, she was gushing, wasn't she? When she, came, when she saw Jesus and Mary, she just got hold of him and said, you're not getting away from me anymore, Jesus. I'm going to hang on to you. You're not going nowhere. <laughs> I know exactly how she felt. And Jesus said, hang on a minute. You're going to have to let me go because I'm going, <laughs> I'm going to my father. <laughs> because why? First fruits. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was coming. And where the Holy Spirit is, you've got Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> you've got Jesus, the Holy Spirit. What did you say in 14, 15, and 16 in John? I will send. I will send. I will send. And he's come. And he's here now. And you can receive him and get filled. <laughs> we can't do it on our own <laughs> we need to get filled <laughs> yeah wake up in the morning and say Lord I'm coming to you for breakfast <laughs> feed me <laughs> fill me do something with this old <laughs> this old geezer <laughs> and he can change you he can make you in you. Isn't it wonderful? But we've got a bright future, haven't we? You know, when I, uh, uh, Eric was playing in the car, some of the songs, I think, the early days of the glory new, glory way, you know, <laughs> and they were all about heaven. <laughs> but we, we've got to live in the here and now, unfortunately. We've got to get out of Egypt. We've got to get out of the wilderness. And we've got to get into our heavenly Canaan <laughs> and live there and manage it. Don't go down into Babylon. 
Don't go back into bondage. Take your place with Jesus in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can do it. You say it's hard. It's not easy. The gospel is simple, but it's not easy because we've got an enemy. But you can do it. Fight the good fight of faith. You know, David Wilkerson translate, got translated into modern English a book on the Christian soldier by William Gurnell, probably one of the greatest writings, I think, has ever been written on the Christian soldier. Absolutely magnificent, Gurnell. And David Wilkerson is so impressed, and the language is so difficult in the old, you know, Elizabethan English, or whatever it was, and he translated it into modern English so that we can get it. And you know, he says about gospel shoes. Do you know it's the gospel of peace? Do you know what peace in Hebrew means? Wholeness. So you can't walk around without peace. So you better forgive everybody here this morning. You've got something against. Just forgive them. No matter what they've done to you. Just forgive them. Because you can't walk around without gospel shoes of peace on. Because if you walk out, Gurnell says, without your gospel shoes on, you're going to tread on something. Well, you can use your own imagination what you can tread on. But you can tread on something nasty. So in the end, you won't be walking anyway. You'll be nursing your feet. No, we've got to, you know, this, this gospel. Look, the Lord will show you. We'd be here all day talking about this, you know. Oh, you know, this is inexhaustible. <laughs> this, is, this is like a vein of... It's, this, it's a gold mine that seems to have no end. It's like immeasurable. It's like this vast ocean that God's brought us to. Do you know the kingdom of God is vast? We don't know nothing yet. We're just having a little foretaste process of what is coming. It's just a foretaste. It is joy unspeakable. You know, when you get the joy, you just don't know what quite to do with yourself. You know, you feel, you feel like everything's... It's like you've been plugged into something and something's happening. <laughs> it's wonderful. It is wonderful, man. It's a wonderful gospel. You've got to go for it. Are you going to go for it? You can do it. You can do it. Praise God. You can do it. You've been brought to this innumerable company of angels to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn. The firstborn. The firstfruits. No, don't rob God. Make sure you give your firstfruits. Make sure you do. I wish I'd known this when I was 21, but I didn't. I didn't, you know. 
and I went on all these uh, journeys, you know, through life, up here and down here, dens, pits. But you know, God has mercy on us, and finally got onto the highlands. We used to sing a song in the early days in Newark, "For the highlands of Canaan, I belonging." <laughs> I've tasted his corn and wine. Whoa! <laughs> it's the wine. <laughs> yeah, you can go for it. You can go for it. Are you going to go for it? You can do it. Lord, do it for these people, Lord. <laughs> do it for them, Lord. <laughs> With an open heaven, you get rain. You get rivers. You get floods. <laughs> you get oceans. And you'll develop. And when you sow seed, that rain will come down on your life. And it will grow. And you'll have fruit. Hallelujah. You'll have fruit that will remain. It won't be blighted by anything. It'll remain and you'll have it. And you'll be able to bring out of old and new. And you'll be able to enjoy it all the days of your life. Hallelujah. As I keep saying, the old preaching said, no feasting no rejoicing you've got to keep eating and drinking (laughs) keep eating and drinking hallelujah isn't it wonderful oh Jesus visit your church giving us awakening Lord awaken our hearts Lord to love and adore you to love you Lord Restore our first love, Lord. May you never be outside knocking on our door, wanting to come in. May you always be inside, Lord. Oh, Lord, may it never be like that. And there will always be food in our house.